Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hey, Alan, I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm doing much better than the characters in this episode. They are clearly going through flu season. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You know, I, I have to say the one nice thing about the pandemic and the masks was that there wasn't a lot of a flu season in the last year or so. That's very true. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see as we kind of go back to, quote, normal, uh, you know, if uh, we'll start to relate a little more to episodes like this one. Yeah, that's a very good point. They did kind of look at Chris like he was a little bit of a freak, didn't they? They really did. They really did. So that's uh, some interesting crossover where uh, art imitates life or life imitates art. I don't know. One of them's imitating the other one. (laughs) Well, Mark, this episode is from season three, episode two. It's flu season, as we talked about. Yep. Uh, we've got a 2120 runtime on this guy, and he first aired on January 27th of 2011. Wow. We're so, old. Yeah. A couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this episode was directed by Wendy Stansler. She's a director, editor, producer. This is her first of four episodes that she'll do in parks. Uh, she's got tons of other TV credits, including Arrow, Pretty Little Liars, Vampire Diaries, The Middle, Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives. So uh, Wendy does a lot of directing. I guess. Yeah. And this episode was written by Norm Hiscock. We've talked about Norm before. He's a producer, writer, director. And this is the fourth of 10 episodes that he wrote on Parks and Rec. Uh, you know, produced like 90 of them. We know him from things like Trailer Park Boys, Corner Gas, King of the Hill, you know, little shows like that. And oh, yeah, Saturday Night Live and <laughs> Kids in the Hall, too. Hey, Alan, speaking of Norm Hiscock, don't we have something to share with our attractive and talented viewers? We do, Mark. Well, just like the fact that we don't really know that they're viewers, we don't really know that they're talented and attractive. But I like to pretend they are. I, I'm quite certain. We've done the research. They are. They all are. Well, everyone who writes in tells us they are. So I think we have to go by that. that that's the only resource we have. So we're going with it. Yep. <laughs> you got it. As reported by Constantine reading letters to us. Yes. So <laughs> scientific. Take that. <laughs> we do have some news to share about Norm. Norm is our special guest here in the studio, uh, sort of, kind of. We uh, we were able to talk to Norm last week. We did a great Zoom interview, and uh, we had a great discussion. We're going to take a piece of that interview today, and uh, after we do our wrap-up, we'll, we'll play maybe seven, ten minutes of that interview, and then at some point here, I think we're going to drop that as a standalone episode, so you get to hear everything we talked about with Norm. And like we kind of teased up, it covered everything from early days in Kids in the Hall, Saturday Night Live, King of the Hill, uh, the terrific uh, Canadian show Corner Gas, uh, his efforts in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So Norm plays a big role in Parks and Rec, but he's also in a lot of related funny shows that I think um, our listeners slash viewers also enjoy. I agree. Yeah, that interview was a lot of fun. He's an interesting guy. And like you said, he's had his fingers in so many pies. And not like bad tasting pies, but pies no, like no I would rhubarb. eat up. No, no rhubarb. Just the good ones. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was a great. And we were super appreciative that he, he took the time to join us. And I think we talked for over an hour. So it yeah. was a great conversation. <laughs> it sure was. Yeah, it really was. Well, Mark, uh, should we get into our synopsis for this episode? This was kind of an interesting one. The, the writing on this episode was interesting in that. They had storylines, I thought, but they kind of interweave them all throughout. So. I'm going to say that there were three storylines here and we'll see what the judges say. So storyline a, the a story, if you will, is um, I entitled Ann Perkins hospital beyond Thunderdome. So, okay. Before we get into this, <laughs> yes, I know the actual name in the show. 
uh, is St. Joseph Hospital. Yeah, Pawnee St. Joseph Hospital. But to me, it will always be Ann Perkins Hospital. And it's my synopsis. He's damn it. I can do what I want. So that's what I'm going to Mark, call it. it's going to make you proud that in my notes in at least one section, I said back at Ann Perkins Hospital. You're making that up. No, I totally. <laughs> wait for it. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm so giddy right now that you saw that. All right. That's my homage to you. Thank you. All right. The flu is sweeping across Pawnee with Anne caring for many of the sick at Ann Perkins Hospital. See, this includes April, who takes out her frustrations on Anne for several reasons, including her, uh, including Anne kissing Andy at the end of last season. A bit later, Ben brings in a flu ridden Leslie uh, into Ann Perkins Hospital, where Anne admits her, even though Leslie didn't want to be there and, and quite frankly, tries to escape um, a bit later. Still. Chris is checked into Ann Perkins Hospital, also flu ridden and having a total physical breakdown. Ann's been dating Chris and really likes him, but fears he's too perfect uh, until now. What will happen? Will April's constant poking at Ann make her break? Will Leslie succeed in escaping Ann Perkins Hospital? How will Ann feel about Chris now that he is essentially a puddle of goo? Stay tuned and find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. So you're saying that the flu basically is kind of a character in this episode. And it's one storyline is just those characters having the flu. That's that's how I decided to craft it. I realized that it could have gone into like three separate storylines or at least two, like one with April and one with Chris. I kind of combined them. All right. The B story uh, I have entitled uh, Harvest Festival Presentation, uh, a.k.a. The Chamber of Secrets. All right. Leslie is preparing for a presentation with the Pawnee Chamber of uh, Commerce uh, regarding the Harvest Festival. It becomes clear Leslie is not feeling well and likely has the flu, but she won't admit it because of the importance of the presentation. Ben finally takes a reluctant Leslie to Ann Perkins Hospital, which we've already heard, um, and admits her. Ben tells her not to worry. He and Tom will do the presentation, which Leslie is not happy about. Tom, instead of helping Ben, abandons him to go hang out at a spa with a group of older men, which <laughs> sounds really creepy now that I say it out loud. <laughs> at a certain point, a delirious and over-medicated Leslie, Alan, escapes Ann Perkins Hospital and heads back to City Hall to do the presentation herself. Love it. How will this turn out? Will Leslie make it to City Hall? Does Tom ever come back from the spa? Will Ben decide to introduce himself musically? Will the Harvest Festival fail before it even starts? Never fear, loyal viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. All right. And then your third storyline. Mm-hmm. The C story. Say it without saying the word flu. I dare you. Ron makes a friend. <laughs> A.K.A. Ron and Andy, a love story, because you knew I was going to go. There. OK, fair enough. When Ron visits April at Ann Perkins Hospital, see, she asks him not to tell Andy she's there, despite Ron not wanting to get involved with April gone. However, Ron does ask Andy to Why fill is April gone. Uh, April gone. Uh, she's gone on account of she's at Ann Perkins Hospital. But why is she there? She's a uh, she's got She's just she she, she went there. <laughs> Fine. You're gonna a, win. You're gonna win this round. I'll a, get you next time. On account of you, I'll get you, you crazy Duke boys. <laughs> Roscoe P. Coltrane over there. All right. So the the Ann Perkins Hospital uh, with April gone, just gone. However, Ron does ask Andy to fill in as an assistant, believing correctly that Andy will be ineffective. As the day goes on, Ron and Andy bond over many things, including food and drink and football and meat and politics and more meat and grilling meat indoors. Eventually, Andy, feeling comfortable with Ron, begins to tell him about his problems with April. Mm. 
What will happen? Will Andy ever find out April is at Ann Perkins Hospital? Will Ron ever find a way to not get involved? Will the boys ever successfully complete a passing play outside? Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Very, very nice. So, yeah, I feel like we could have split that up a little differently, but I, I kind of yeah. stand by that. Agreed. There are nine different ways we could have done it. I like <laughs> the way you did it. Oh, so, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> right. Good for me. I mostly care because I, I try to make my AKAs based on those storylines. Yeah. So I, I think I still did. But what did you come up with AKAs? Well, I had. See, see, now, now that's true. I, I like to do that, too. And now I realize I only did two instead of three. So ah, I, I broke my okay. own rule there. Yeah. All right. You failed a little. It's OK. <laughs> so I, and I bet we have some overlap here. But I there's, bet we do. So number one. Or I should say the number one runner up I have too uh, is uh, you had me at meat tornado. Did you have that? Oh, yeah. That oh, was my, my B storyline. Uh, yeah. Highlight. Yes. Because how could you not like that? It's it's a perfect line. <laughs> and then my other one, which I'm going to kind of bet maybe you had this as well. It's it's too good and it's too short to, for me not to use it. Stop pooping. Very nice. I did not have it. Really? No. Wow. I saved that one for you, Mark. Oh, welcome. What'd you have? Well, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. We already had the overlap of you had me at meat tornado. So instead of giving that one, I'll give it the next line in the script, which is almost (laughs) as good. And uh, but it's related. And it's it's you know, it literally killed a guy last year. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. So there you go. See, there's there's room in this podcast for both of us. Oh, my gosh. Country and Western. Yep. Um, my, my third storyline, uh, I guess combo was, uh, the microchip has been compromised <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and as it's runner up, I said, uh, I vomited somewhere in this room, <laughs> which is just <laughs> when you're in that fever dream. Oh my gosh. And you know, you vomited, but you're not sure where you're living life to its fullest. Let me tell you something. That is the worst game of hide and seek you will ever play. <laughs> never. There should be a horror movie based on that. There is no winner. Oh, Everybody's a loser. It's like saw nine. Where did Chris vomit? <laughs> saw nine. The yucky spot. <laughs> the yucky spot. Well, those are good. AKAs. It's in the drawer. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, but I've got one. left. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Those, right, those right. were basically two pairings. Oh, okay. I overdid it this week. I over, I Leslie it this week. <laughs> Uh, this is this is the homage to Pratt and and what both Mike Schur and Greg Daniels is, is is maybe the best improv ever. Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here and it says you could have network connectivity problems. <laughs> it's just it's so good and it's an improv and one of their little fun runs and we'll talk about it a little more in a bit. It's it's a meme. It's it's it's, it's everything, everything at this point. I, you know, I, I think. I remember in one of our spotlights, I want to say, I think yeah, it was the spotlight was. about Mike Shore. And it we was, played yeah. a little bit. And the, 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 the funniest thing I remember is him saying it was so good. And as a writer, it makes him furious that, that freaking Pratt can just improv a line like that. Like, isn't that great? I know. Love it. All right, Mark. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we jump into our episode breakdown? I think that sounds like a stellar idea. All right. And if I'm not mistaken, we're going to start off at Ann Perkins Hospital. We are going to start off at Ann Perkins Hospital. You are correct. All right. Well, at Ann Perkins Hospital, Ann tells us there is a flu going around, which, you know, surprise, surprise. Uh, So lots of people are in the hospital and they're miserable. And one of them is April, who is her patient and who hates her. 
I don't know why I'm doing Chris Traeger there. So we see a few scenes between April and Anne where April is taking out her frustrations on Anne by, you know, bam, 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 pressing the nurse buzzer over and over. And it's obvious April is still pretty mad at Anne. I think she hates her anyway, but I think she's pretty mad at Anne for, you know, kissing Andy at the end of season two. She's enjoying this. Yes. Well, nice job on the cold open, Mark. After that, we're going to bounce over to JJ's diner. You know, I think we discovered here in a, in a recent episode that the diner exterior, uh, which remind me to talk about that in, uh, you know, them, their tropes and first and fun facts and goofs. Mm. I've got one for you on JJ's today. Oh my. Yeah. Well, over at JJ's, Leslie, Ben and Tom are at the diner and they've seated themselves at a table with the man himself. The man, the myth, the legend. J.J. Lipscomb, the owner of J.J.'s Diner. Yeah, they're, they're, Leslie's asking him to attend the meeting that night at the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and even as Leslie's asking him this, like at this early stage, we can already tell Leslie is not really feeling that great. You Something's know, Something's amiss. And she's trying to play it off as her, you know, just her allergies acting up. Yeah. Uh, but eh, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, she, the way that she didn't she qualify it by saying, look, I think maybe my allergies are acting up. I've already vomited like five times, five times a day. That doesn't seem like a lot. Just maybe warning. <laughs> you know, right here. This is the epitome of Leslie. Uh, she's so positive, Mark, you know, second most positive person next to Chris Traeger that she has simply written these uh, five vomits off as allergies. Yep. Yeah. Not me. Could happen to anybody. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, following that, we're going to bounce back over to the hospital. We're in April's room. And, uh, you know, Ron enters bearing a big giant teddy. No, that wasn't him. Uh, he's got a brown paper sack. That sounds, I think it was like a plastic grocery bag, I want to say. Is it like a Kroger bag? It, oh, yeah, it's, it's like yeah. He, he hobo bagged it. <laughs> <laughs> I love inside jokes. Yeah. I hope I'm one of them one day. You are, Mark. All right. Well, like you said, uh, back at Ann Perkins Hospital, Ron is visiting April. Uh, You know, he brings in the grocery bag uh, containing magazines and lipstick, you know, woman stuff. (laughs) And it's delightful, as always, to see how out of his comfort zone he is, not only for being nice to someone in general, which he says that he's not one of those guys no, he's not but specifically trying to shop for april which you know she's a, a woman but i think that she appreciates it well here's ron he he's in a hospital that's strike one right uh, he's next to a sick person strike two right he's trying to do something nice for somebody strike three right i mean he's already lost this game of baseball he's like gonna have six strikes before he even hands the bag to her how many strikes do you get in baseball i forget seven. Oh well he's good <laughs> That's in Canadian baseball. Oh, that's the best, eh? Yeah. We should have asked Norm about that. We really should have. Yeah. And, you know, at the very end, plot-wise, I should mention, Alan, April does specifically ask Ron, hey, if you happen to see Andy, uh, don't tell him that I'm here, which he doesn't really want to get involved in all this personal stuff, but he grudgingly agrees to it. Okay. You know, he didn't like all that stuff. No, he doesn't. You know, Mark, we also end that scene. We should uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. You know, we talked about the uh, the Pratt runner there that's kind of become a meme and become everywhere on the Internet. This uh, little talking head by Ron kind of manifests itself that way as well. You know, he once worked with the guy for three years and never learned his name. Uh, Best friend he ever had. And they still never sometimes talk. We still never talk sometimes. That's that's it. great wordplay right there. It's so good. Yeah, I love that. So good. 
Well, back at the parks office, Mark, we're in Leslie's office and she's on the phone alone. Uh, she's having a conversation with someone who we can't see. And, and we're guessing maybe she's talking about the Harvest Festival. Yeah, the first thing I saw when I, I this scene opened is she is apparently, you know, those uh, emergency uh, vitamin C supplement uh, packets and you're supposed to pour it in like some water. Yeah, shake oh, yeah. It up so I use those. It. Yeah. Well, Leslie is just shotgunning it straight like she opens that packet and she just dumps it back in her mouth. And I realize I'm talking about it like way more than the two seconds it took her to do it. But it like made me uh, go, yuck. You know, the I know it's not, but it reminds me of eating Pop Rocks. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And it would probably taste about the same would be my guess. That's a good comparison, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, yeah, she's talking to someone and I, I couldn't tell. I assumed it was just on the phone with somebody. But then apparently the camera turns, you know, 90 degrees and you can see through office windows like into other conference That's rooms. That's what they call a whip pan, Mark. Is that what that is? Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't know all these fancy terms. All right. I got I got to go back to learning back to film school. Learning school is what I they call it. Learning school. Um, <laughs> so the, the camera whip whip court whipkins whipkins the, the camera goes over to the conference room yeah. and and we see Donna and Tom and Jerry uh, who are in a separate conference room and they're talking to Leslie and they're all telling Leslie go home you're sick go home so now we get it like she's quarantined yep. in her room they're not meeting with her in person it's and not by choice they no. they've made this choice for her actually Alan do we have a clip of this yeah why don't we uh, let's have Constantine drop uh, drop that for us yes please mm. so We've developed a revenue sharing formula that will hopefully appeal to most business owners. Leslie, go home. You're sick. I'm not sick. It's just allergies. Come on, guys. Just let me in there. No, you can't come in here. You're not coming in. Leslie, you you look tired and you're all sweaty. You look tired and you're all sweaty all the time. What's your excuse? You want to go there, Jerry? No. Fine, I'm coming in. Donna, barricade the door (laughs) now. Uh, Come on, just let me in. (laughs) Either go home or go back into quarantine. I'm not going home. Get out of here, Leslie. Go home. Get the bricks. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. She's germing up all my stuff. Ah, yuck. Leslie. Ugh, that is so good. You know, Alan, there's a couple scenes in that that kind of had a visual aspect to it. One is, I don't know what the technical term is, the, the, the camera whips over to the uh, conference room, like, you know, 90 degrees to the right. And you can see all three of them are sitting there so they can see Leslie, but they just don't want to be in the same room as her. Right. Um, it's like in The Walking Dead when they see the zombies through the glass. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to avoid them. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then the other thing is Leslie gets a little... A little peeved, I think, at the end of that. And they're all telling her to hit the bricks there. And uh, so she goes over to Jerry's desk, naturally, and and just kind of picks up his coffee cup, licks it. And Jerry's already grossed out. And then she does. She does one better. She licks her hand and then rubs it all over his monitor. Yuck. You German everything up. I know. Yeah. Well, speaking of germs, back at the hospital, Chris is sitting on the the lower desk at the nurse's station doing some sort of weird, very unconventional runner stretches, at least in my opinion, and uh, looking very much like someone from 2020. Yeah, you're right. At Ann Perkins Hospital, Chris is wearing a mask. Yeah. Huh. Go figure. Very common sight these days, but in... In, in the U.S. in 2011, not so much. Yeah, they're like, hey, take me to your leader, Meat Morp. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's he's sitting there stretching at the desk. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I think he's looking a little bit sweaty here. 
you know what? Just I, a little I, bit. I think if we didn't know what was about to happen, you could easily say, well, he's been running. But but we've already proven he doesn't sweat. Oh, he has the, the heart of a hummingbird. That's right. Or no, what's the opposite? A badger? I don't know what the opposite of the hummingbird is. His his heart beats like 12 beats a minute. That's, that's yeah, the one. That one. Yeah. Well, hummingbird's like 1,200. So yeah, I, I, I did the yeah. wrong one. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so so it, it's, he says, uh, oh, well, are we still on for dinner? And Anne says, well, yeah, uh, you know, we are. And then he just cheerfully runs off. And I love how he he, he, he hollers over at the guy next to him as he's running. Hey, way to go, buddy. Oh, like wow. a guy, he's like 100. Yeah. Like, hey, you're doing good. Way to go. Um, and I think Anne has just a quick talking head where she just explains I, I like him. We've been on a couple of dates. Uh, the problem is he's freaking perfect. Like I can't find one flaw. Well, she did think there was that one time that he farted. But it it was her. <laughs> it was her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough way to go. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love the writing in the show. Yeah. Well, back at the parks department, we hear that the phone is at April's desk is once again ringing and not being answered, which is not that unusual. But in this case, she's not even there. Yeah, I, I think the phone ring is a reminder to Ron that, gosh darn it, he needs a buffer between yeah. him and the rest of these freaking Pawneeans. Um, so that makes him realize he's got to find a temporary replacement for April. And she is the total package of, you know, she, she's apathetic and also she kind of mean. But uh, <laughs> he figures I know who a good replacement would be. He walks by the shine stand. And he finds a potential candidate in Mr. Andy Dwyer, who has apparently invented some sort of awesome super straw contraption. I don't know how many straws have to be together. Would you say like 20 or 30? Like it's it's huge. At least. And he's clearly proud of this invention. <laughs> well, anyway, Ron is very pleased at this because he thinks that's going to bode well for Andy's productivity. <clears throat> None. Yeah. And uh, so Andy agrees to help out. Ron leads him back to April's desk. Well, he does on one condition, Mark. Hmm. Does he have to tuck a shirt in? No, he's, oh. he's going to let that fly because oh, that could good. be a deal breaker. <laughs> and then Andy asks Ron where April is. And you see Ron hesitate for a mm. second and then go. No, he holds strong to his promise to April and says, yep. uh, I gave her the day off. And I, I don't know why it makes me laugh. But then Andy's like, would it be weird if I asked for the day off? <laughs> like, I, on the one hand, you got to give him credit. You're not yeah. going to know if you don't ask. It's fair. <laughs> and then Ron just kind of gives him the frowny stare. Uh, like, okay, I, probably not. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, back at Leslie's desk, uh, the winter winds had begun to blow and Leslie's dressed for the weather. Oh, wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like August. The weather inside is kind of sweaty. cold. It's sweaty. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. even better. So, yeah, Ben and Chris, I think, have a meeting with Leslie. And so they both enter her office, as you said, Alan, to find her at her desk. She's bundled up in a winter coat and a scarf. Tom is at his desk wearing a motorcycle helmet with the visor down and he's misting himself periodically with hand sanitizer. Yeah. Ben, I think he looks like a member of Daft Punk. Yeah, he does. Minus maybe the hand sanitizer. Yeah. Um, and then Ben, Ben, both Ben and Chris quickly realize she's sick, but both reacting in different ways. Ben is like, you need to go home. At least let me take you to the hospital. Chris starts just out and out panicking, mumbling about how his body is a finely tuned microchip and races out of the office. <laughs> One grain of sand. I know. Um, and then isn't that I think at the end of the scene, isn't this where we get perhaps the greatest improv of all time, which I know we already talked about. 
Uh, it does. Yeah. You know, I, I think basically um, Leslie is saying, you know, hey, look, I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't go home. I got to get ready for the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> 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 Which you referenced earlier. That makes me giggle every time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they, they talk about who's her doctor. And then, you know, right as they're walking out, um, Andy's like kind of yells off camera. He's, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here and it says you could have network connectivity problems. Uh, Which is really funny. And, and so but good. you know what? At least he's trying. He, he was really trying to be helpful. Yeah. Both to Ron and now to Leslie. I know. I know. Yeah. Hire that guy. <laughs> well, back at the hospital, the test results are in, and Leslie's clocking a 104.1, and, and I don't mean WLBCFM out of Munsey, Mark. No, I don't mean the thing you said either. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's got a high temperature. She's dehydrated and is admitting her, and Ben tells her, look, get better. Don't worry. Tom and I got this. Um, look, Mark, if she was sick, could she do this? <laughs> What are you doing? Cartwheels? <laughs> no. Am I am I not doing them? <laughs> oh my god. I love the writing on this show. Sure. Um and and I, I I like Leslie's talking head. I think at this point Anne's gotten her to lay down and she's just looking at the camera sideways and she says, It's not that I don't trust Ben, is that I don't have faith in Ben. <laughs> and also I'm starting to forget who Ben is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, speaking of Ben, Ben and Tom, mostly Ben, are doing their best to be fully prepared for the uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, you know, and Secrets meeting tonight, you know, in, despite Leslie's absence. It's really hard to call that something other than Chamber of Secrets once you've seen that, isn't it? I, it's, I can't go back. I know. I know. So, yeah, Ben's trying to start prepping with Tom. Tom tells him, no, the worst thing you can do is over prepare. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to go. I'm going to get a soak in his fits, I think he says. Yeah. And. Ben, ben tries to talk him out of it. And Tom tells him, look, I, unlike you, Ben, I never promised Leslie anything. That way I never disappoint her. I try to be considerate. There's something to that, Mark. <laughs> it's kind of genius. I guess so. Yeah. And then we, we quickly go over to April's desk where Andy is playing with a slinky. And yes. then phone rings. And I think I know how he said this. I think Andy is actually putting some good faith effort here. He picks it up. He answers Ron Swanson's office. He listens. He offers to transfer them. He he looks at the um, the, the phone unit. He attempts to transfer the person. Doo, and then we hear a dial tone. Yep. And then he goes to tell Ron. And Ron's like, that's good. Good on you. Yep. Ron is not one bit upset about that. Not a bit. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, April is continuing to violate the Geneva Convention back at Ann Perkins Hospital and torturing, you know, the one and only Ann Perkins herself. Oh, my gosh. April, enough with the relentless bam, 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 buzzing. Actually, Alan, this this little scene is so funny. Do we have a clip of this? We do. Let's uh, let's have Constantine play that for yep. us. I thought you might like a fresh set of pillows. Are you trying to smother me? <laughs> Okay, never mind. Stay back, slut. I know what she's trying to do. <laughs> she's trying to get me to break. And you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be professional, and I'm going to put on a happy face, and then I'm going to go into a supply closet and snap a bunch of tongue depressors. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, Mark, all these years in my career now, I realize while I'm not a nurse, I just need to buy me some tongue depressors and find myself a closet. 
Yeah, that's like Stretch Armstrong. That's your stress relief. I, I also love that, you know, when April's saying stay back slut, yeah. she she grabs the plastic knife off of her tray and she's yes. holding it like she's she's keeping in it. Very bay. threatening. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, in Leslie's room, she and Ben are on the phone and she's literally phoning it in, Mark. And, you know, it being the compulsion to be involved no matter what. Yeah, she just can't help herself. Um, Leslie wants to go over every single detail with Ben. And, and I think... I think Ben's genuinely worried about Leslie. And I also think that Ben is genuinely motivated here to try and do right by her. Um, he promises that he's not going to half-ass the presentation and encourages her to get some rest. I don't think she quite bought it, but, you know, he's trying. Absolutely. Well, and back at April's desk, Andy has begun his reign of destruction and has worked up quite an appetite. <laughs> he just <laughs> removes an entire drawer. Ron looks at him. He's like, this, this came out. <laughs> It's like a three-year-old. <laughs> He's like a, a big, obnoxious lab, just happy and clumsy. Yeah. Um, so Ron is nearly starving since he hasn't eaten lunch since yesterday. He's going to go to uh, Callahan's. And then Andy goes, no, 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 no. You got to let me go to Big Head Joe's, which great name. And, well, and he didn't like Callahan's because they skimp on the pickles. Callahan skimps on the pickles. And and he, he offers to go to Big Head Joe's for Ron. And it could get uh, their burritos and Ron isn't much in for that. There, you know what you call their ethnic food. So, but once Andy describes one of their burritos as the meat tornado, <laughs> I think this begins to change Ron's mind. Well, I mean, you know, it literally killed a guy last year. And uh, Ron just says, you, you had, had meat me at and meat tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, that should be a shirt. I, the list is getting long. It really is. We really need to jump on this. Update it, Constantine. Well, over at the hospital, Leslie has decided that she is cured and that her new uh, pants scarf looks fabulous. She she <laughs> is attempting to poorly uh, get her stuff together and leave Ann Perkins Hospital. Um, clearly very concerned about the Chamber of Commerce meeting. And Anne walks by her room and sees what she's doing. And Anne gets a little tough with her, which I kind of like. And says, you get back in that. I will strap you down. Don't yeah. test me. And Leslie kind of complies. She's pouting a little bit. She's clearly not happy, but she gets in bed. Well, Mark, if Leslie doesn't get there, who's going to get the giant serpent and kill it? Oh, wait. <laughs> I, you're doing it again. See, it's a, it's a, that's a rookie mistake is what that is. It really is. Yelp. Well, as we said before, Tom is now getting his fits on and uh, he appears to be in some sort of spa in a strip mall. Yeah, we, we see an outside shot of it for just a second. So we know the name is Spawny, which, you know, OK, yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess play on words is the thing. Um, so, yeah, Tom is relaxing in a hot soup of a pool with uh, with three older men and they're all kind of laughing and talking. And Tom is apparently the life of the party there and he's playing games of. Would you rather with them? Yes. Uh, do you want to be fly or be invisible, live in a pocket of a giant kangaroo, or have your own pocket with a tiny kangaroo in it all the time? You know, the normal stuff. Sure. Yeah. Of Which, of course, they select the, you know, they want the tiny kangaroo in their own pocket. But he forgot to mention that that tiny kangaroo is a racist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. that's going to change things. Oh, my goodness. Well, we know April was the first to officially fall, followed by Leslie. But now over at Ann Perkins Hospital. The carnage continues. Oh, and we're not talking about uh, Ron's basketball team cheer. We're no. talking about real carnage here from the flu. Yeah. We have another victim, Chris. 
is now in a room wearing a hospital gown. And if I thought he was a little bit sweaty before, oh, he he's, is sweaty and he's yeah. not doing well at all. No, he looks very bad. And Ann walks by and, and sees him and is surprised because a few hours ago, he, he I mean, he wasn't that bad. He, he seemed OK. And uh, he's got the flu now big and bad. Yeah. Well, his microchip has been compromised. Oh, my God. The microchip has been compromised. Yeah. Sure well, back is. at the parks office, uh, what can only be described as a meat storm has arrived and is all over Ron's office. It is just an impressive array of meat and protein and grease. It is in- incredible. Um, truly a meat tornado. Yeah. And Ron and Andy are in his in Ron's office and they're eating lunch together and, and they're taking in all this meat and they're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and Ron is just in seventh heaven here. And he thanks Andy for the stellar lunch idea. And Andy suggests, hey, why don't we go outside, run a few pass plays and burn some calories off. And Ron is just, I can't even believe this. You're a good idea machine. Let's do this. So it seems clear that Ron likes and appreciates Andy. Yeah. Like best day ever at the office. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you, you know, Ron gives a little bit of, a, of an explanation in his talking head. He's like, I really like Andy. I'm surrounded by a lot of women in this department. And that includes the men. So, you know, pretty clear idea there. Yep. And I think we have a really, really quick scene of uh, Ron and Andy actually outside in the parking lot. And they're throwing around the football and acting silly. And it ends up, you know, Ron throws the ball. Andy dives for it. He collides with the car like the big clumsy lab that he is. Sets mm-hmm. off the car alarm. And they both start giggling maniacally like they're eight years old. And they both go running off. And you hear Andy or you hear Ron go, hey, Andy, wait up. Can you? <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, April is once again calling Anne with her request button, and this time she really wants something possibly even medical. April stuns Anne by giving her a literal request. She says she needs more flu medicine when Anne gets it, but then says, no, 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 that's powerful stuff. You don't get more than one dose. And April says, I haven't had more than one dose on account of Leslie came in here and stole it. And then she ran out like the hamburglar. And then so, <laughs> so Anne is a little annoyed at this and goes to check on Leslie. Leslie's gone. Then goes to Chris's room. Have you seen Leslie? And Chris is now like he's going psychedelic, I think. Yeah. Here. I had a dream that she came into this room and stole my flu medicine and told me not to tell you and then disappeared through that hole in the wall. (laughs) Oh, you mean the door? Uh, So apparently this is like a thing. Leslie's going around stealing flu medicine like it's some sort of like, I don't know, liquid elixir for life or something. Well, I think she actually has a plan, Mark. Mm. Yeah, we're about to find out what it was. I'm sorry, Chamber of Secrets. That would be Unicorn's Blood, right? That's correct. Yep, there you go. Yeah, but it has a a, a evil half-life or something. I don't know. That's what the nerds tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's finally time to present at the Pawnee Chamber of Commerce. And we have a couple scenes here in a row. The first, you know, is propped up by these multiple doses of flu medicine. Leslie suddenly appears and greets Ben. Ben is to say he's stunned is is putting it lightly. He's completely yeah. taking off guard. And it looks like Leslie is holding it together, but barely, but is definitely acting very, very weird. And Ben is kind of stunned and quite frankly, isn't sure what to do at this point. Well, you know, Mark, the other thing, too, is she needs some money for the cab and she isn't sure how much because she looked at the meter and it had Egyptian hieroglyphics on it. (laughs) Uh, Do you know the exchange rate? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea what that would be. Oh, my gosh. Well, after a quick break here at the Chamber of Commerce, Ben is a little miffed with Leslie's lack of trust and tells her so. 
And this is this is probably as, as close as Leslie's going to get for now as far as having a real conversation with Ben. Ben, I think, wishes Leslie would trust her, would trust him a little more. Excuse yeah. me. Um, and then she explains during a few moments of quasi lucidity that the Harvest, the Harvest Festival is her project. It's her career on the line. And really, we know the entire Parks Department, right, from last episode. So this is serious stuff. And she just needs to make sure that she's done everything that she can to make it work. And he kind of looks back at her and is like, all right. You know, I think he kind of gets it. Yeah, I agree. And you would think that maybe she's pulling out of it. And then she turns to the wall and starts giving does she say? But she 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 asked Ben, "How's this sound?" You know, good evening, everyone. I'm Leslie Monster, and this is Nightline. <laughs> no, don't open with that. Don't yeah. open with that. Find a different opening. Yep. Yeah, he says, "Let's sit down." That's mm. probably a good idea here. For Very. Me. Yeah. Well, while that's happening, back in Ron's office, we're drinking scotch and somehow grilling out in Ron's office. Yeah, it's called grilling in. Grilling in. I like it. Yeah, I, th- Ron's I, ahead of his time. I think that's a thing now. I don't know how they got the 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 the, the fire alarms, the smoke alarms, rather to not. Well, the go windows off. open. Oh, is that all it takes? <laughs> yeah, apparently, I got to tell my daughter that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, and and so yeah, he and Andy are are. I think Ron's drinking scotch and Andy's drinking a beer or whatever, and he's grilling uh, steaks and bacon naturally, and and they're just like talking about politics and government, and and basically they're continuing to bond in a way that Ron hasn't really been able to do with anybody else. Andy literally says the words religious oligarchy. You could have. And he knows what it is. Yeah. And he could have rocked, knocked Ron over with a feather. (laughs) Unbelievable. So good. Hey, he pays attention. He could remember things. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, Mark, you know, as we know, Chris fought the hard fight against the flu, but it clearly won. Oh, yeah. He's not doing good. That. Anne walks by his room and we actually see Chris in a number of quick scenes that clearly depict how poorly he's doing. As a matter of fact, I don't think we can do this justice. Can we play this clip? Yeah, let's do that. And I think the first thing we see is Chris is just laying on the the table, the bedside table, standing up. And uh, this is where Anne finds him. I vomited somewhere in this room. I don't remember where, though. Wait you might want to check that drawer. Stop pooping. You have to get up off the floor now. As far as my friends. Nothing like a complete physical breakdown to make a guy seem less intimidating. I love the flu. Uh, so good. So a couple things there that are worth note. You know, one is obviously that's the 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 birth of the great uh, uh Chris Traeger, uh, Roblo improv line, I might yes. add, stop pooping or he's looking at himself in the mirror. Uh, Maya K as a matter of fact. Um, and then the second is Anne is loving this because, I mean, we already covered earlier. She's, she was a little intimidated by how perfect Chris is. Yeah. He's not perfect now. No. <laughs> he is a regular human being. <laughs> I love the look on his face. He's actually got this really uh, – kind of calm and pleased smile when he's laying on this cold concrete floor. Mm. It's got to feel good given his 122 fever. Oh my gosh. Cause we know Chris doesn't play with the numbers like the rest of us. If he's going to have a fever, he's probably going to spike a 120. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. You, you, you could melt tin. <laughs> well, over at the chamber of commerce, things are about to start up and Tom is still entertaining his spa, but he's much to Ben chagrin. <laughs> 
Tom arrives and he's with his their spall buddies there and Ben's annoyed and and until well Ben is annoyed until Tom mentions that his quote spa buddies you know what Ben they own a couple car dealerships in town and they've agreed to donate a fleet of vehicles for the harvest festival what do you think about that um and then Leslie seems to think that she's ready to start speaking and ask Tom to introduce her Ben is unsure about letting her do this, but Leslie seems pretty adamant. Well, while we're waiting for Leslie to finally speak and determine if this was a good idea or not, <laughs> Ron and Andy are continuing their bonding sesh. And, uh, you know, Andy is seeking some advice from his new mentor. They are continuing to eat meat, to drink alcohol and just hang out with each other. What could be better than that? So I think Andy's feeling more and more comfortable with Ron and he starts to open up a little bit about you know his situation with April he knows he pissed her off and how he desperately wants to make things right we see Ron's head kind of kind of kind of dip down because he didn't want to get involved but he grudgingly tells Andy that April is at in, in Perkins Hospital and go visit her tomorrow morning but don't tell her I told you and then Andy gives Ron a ridiculous but sweet, like a big bear hug. He's like, oh, he squeezes him so tight. And ugh, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> well, meanwhile, things are finally getting underway over at the Chamber of Commerce. And Tom is at the podium about to introduce Leslie. He is, Alan. But before he does, he does. He can't help himself. He has to give a quick impromptu commercial for the Snake Hole Lounge. Shocking. Shocking. And then, you know, after that happens... Uh, introducing their really good deals there. Uh, then he introduces Leslie and Tom sits down and, and everybody, uh, you know, applauses politely and Leslie kind of wobbles her way up to the mic there. And she pauses for several seconds and you see Ben like literally on the edge of his seat. He's bracing. Like he's, he's, yeah. I couldn't tell if he was bracing or getting ready to race up there. Like in case she fell over or something. I, I think he's prepared for either. And he's, yeah, he's clearly debating whether or not he should come to her aid. And then, Boom. She starts to crush it like as if she wasn't running a high fever or sick or anything. And Ben is absolutely floored like he he can't he, he doesn't know what's going on here, but he's so impressed. I think this is Leslie at her best. And, you know, she just she, she's like a robot. You wind her up and she does her thing. And then, you know, she's going to go right back to having a terrible flu. It, you know, I think there's something called a stage health. And I think she's channeling that. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Well, Anne walks in April's room and without any conversation or ceremony, immediately starts a verbal countdown. Yeah. The, April didn't summon her with the buzzity buzz, buzz, buzz this time. Anne's looking at her wrist, counts down the seconds, three, two, and one. What the bleep is wrong with you? And immediately <laughs> just explodes on, on April. Um, and basically she says, look, you you want to hate me forever whatever i don't care um i'm sorry about kissing andy it was a mistake uh but don't take it out on andy because andy really likes you darn it and he didn't do anything wrong and by the way i'm starting to hate you too and walks out i love it april goes that's the most i've ever liked Andy." <laughs> <laughs> and you know what me too yeah absolutely yep yep well, back at the Chamber of Commerce, Leslie is wrapping up her her well-crafted and cogent remarks, uh, you know, and apparently a successful presentation to the Chamber of Commerce members. They are applauding her. It's almost a standing O, like she did such a good job. Yeah. Ben is absolutely in awe of Leslie at this point, comparing to her to 
quote, a flu ridden Michael Jordan at the 97 <laughs> NBA finals. Um, and despite how impressive that was, it does become obvious in the seconds that follow. I think this is the end of her stage health, as we called it. Yeah. Because during follow up questions, she's now out of energy and she's starting to go a little loopy. So Ben quickly has her sit down and fields the questions. And then Tom kind of takes a look at her and says, why don't I drive you to the hospital? It's probably pretty smart. Yup. Uh, two things about this this little scene here, Mark, after the talk, you know, mm. uh, one, Ben's little diatribe, sports diatribe is so good. Uh, clearly written by Mike Schur, mm-hmm. 112% positive of that. <laughs> um, you know, I think Norm might have even told us that. And then Leslie isn't sure about where she left her tiara. But <laughs> if you could find it, please have Lady Pennyface uh, retrieve it and return it uh, post haste. Oh, Penny face, you scallywag. Give me my tiara back. Oh, my God. Well, it's the following morning and Ben arrives at Leslie's hospital room bearing some gifts. Leslie is looking a little bit better. Uh, She's lying peacefully in her bed in her room at Ann Perkins Hospital. And she hears a knock on her door and Ben comes in with some goodies for her. Yeah, he has some waffles from JJ's because, I mean, how are you going to go wrong with that? You won't. It's a cure-all. And... Some chicken soup from him. Aww. Aww. And Leslie asks him how it went. And Ben tells her, well, we needed 80 businesses to participate in order to call it a success. And right now we have 110 and counting. Awesome. Mission successful. Mission successful. Yeah. Well, Mark, also at the hospital, Andy, having waited per Ron's suggestion, shows up to visit April, who is still resting and apparently getting some much needed sleep. Yeah, yeah. Andy comes in and sees that she's she appears to be sleeping and he doesn't want to wake her up. But, uh, you know, he whispers to her. It's very sweet. He says, I'm going to be here when you wake up. I'm not going to leave your side. And then he realizes, oh, well, you could be asleep for hours. So maybe I'm going to go for a little bit. But but, and then he starts to go and then he he stops and goes back to her and, and whispers to her. I know that you think I'm a jerk, but I hope that you can forgive me. And he leans down and kisses her on the head. And that's like this really sweet moment. And it's yeah. only, you know, a, a lessened a little bit on account of he's really grossed out because yeah. her forehead is all sweaty it's and sweaty. stuff. And you see him leave the room and the camera's on April's face and her eyes open a little bit. And you see this really sweet smile across her face. So she really appreciates it, I think. She does. She doesn't even mind that he's just a little bit disgusted. I think she probably is, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, finally, still at the hospital, Ben has apparently gotten a message from Chris, who's in the process of leaving and drops in to see what's up. Which this seemed like a pretty quick turnaround when when I think about it, given how bad he was doing. But, yeah, this yeah. is I, I think well, this he is, and Leslie both kind of made a pretty remarkable turn, although Leslie had, you know, nine doses of flu medicine. So, <laughs> so this, yeah, the next day, uh, Chris left a message for Ben. Come see me. Ben does so. Um, and like you said, Chris is getting ready to leave the hospital. I think he's getting ready to go on a run. Yeah, he's 15K. A, a light 15K. My mile. God. Um, <laughs> this makes me mad. Yeah. Um, and he tells Ben there's a new assignment waiting for the both of them. But mm. he feels like maybe instead of taking this new assignment, they should ask for an extension to stay in Pawnee instead. And Ben wholeheartedly agrees. Perhaps and quickly. Perhaps a little too quickly yes. so you kind of wonder like what the motivation actually they both did it's like they were feeding off of each other yeah you can definitely see that energy mm-hmm. yeah. so Absolutely. you're like why are you so anxious to stay here is it because of the girl 
uh, fade to black. Oh, way to go, buddy. Way to go, buddy. He says that to the, I don't know if it's the same guy, but he does. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the same guy or not, but you just got to love the positivity of a Chris Traeger. Way to go, buddy. Way to go, buddy. Also improv. Also improv. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We did learn that. So, well, nice job on the breakdown, Mark. You know, I think, why don't we do this? Let's take a real quick break. And when we come back, we'll run our tropes first and fun facts, and we'll give some scores. All right. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Are you looking for plentiful, nay, dangerous amounts of protein? Are meats and cheeses very nearly a religion to you? If so, make your way to Big Head Joe's and hold on to your hat as you embark on what Joe calls the journey of a lunchtime. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. I should say up front that I do not much go in for ethnic food. However, here I will make a happy exception because at Big Head Joe's, they have the finest cheeses, meats, and meat tangential products south of Indianapolis. Big Head Joe's offers specials that can satisfy even the most ferocious carnivore appetites, many of them lovingly handcrafted by the big-headed one himself. Our offerings include, but are by no means limited to, the Shrimp Shower, a delightful blanket of shrimp, shrimp, and more shrimp. The Tamale Thunderstorm. Alert, alert, conditions are favorable for dangerous levels of flavor and satisfaction. The Meat Tornado, an exciting cyclical portal to Ambrosia, or perhaps Narnia. Look out, Mr. Tumnus, here comes the Taste Monster. The Havarti Hurricane. The skies may open up and whip you in the face with endless waves of cheese. Not recommended for the faint of heart. The Veal Volcano. An explosive amount of veal smothered in only the finest Carolina Reaper sauce. Note, waiver required before ordering. The Edamame Eddie. If you are looking to trim down, this delicious option is served on a one or two pound bed of bacon, depending on just how health conscious you are. And finally, my favorite and my namesake, the Swanson Salad. Wait, wait, that can't be right. Aha, the Swanson Salad of Sausage. Yes, yes, that makes much more sense. So, when you place your first delicious order at Big Head Joe's, tell them Ron sent you and receive a 25% discount on the Pocket Defibrillator. Save a life or charge your phone. The choice is yours. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, real quick, I'll go over our deleted scenes as we usually do. You know, if you watch the DVDs, we get about two minutes and 37 seconds of deleted scenes. I only counted five. Um, the one thing I'll say about this particular collection of deleted scenes, um, there's one edition of April, you know, just, you know, buzz, buzz, buzzing, buzz. Yeah, 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 annoying and a little more that I think we could have lived without. Um but the other four scenes, I wish they were in the episode. And usually I don't feel that strongly mm. that they were. You know, we got Leslie calling Anne. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
We got Leslie calling in and she's worried about the Chamber of Commerce and Ben. I thought that was kind of an interesting little scene. And, you know, it's OK uh, that we didn't have it. Uh, but, you know, then, you know, Chris in this has this uh, set of dialogue with Ann about how great his internal and external organs are. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very funny. Very Chris Traeger. Very Chris Traeger. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt like that could have been in there. Uh, Leslie calling Ben, telling him that her fever has broken. Uh, and then there's this set of things that happens after he hangs up on her where, you know, she's using some sort of straw, like a quill pen writing with Jello. <laughs> and she writes a note that then she then shoves into, I think, um, probably an, a giant ice cup. Right. And she's trying to shove it into an imaginary vacuum tube and it's not there. So just she just tosses it across the room. See, I read that a different way. When Did I you saw, really? Well, I don't know why I saw her do that. And I thought, oh, she's doing message in a bottle. It kind of is. And it's like, like at the, you know, like the little sucky tube at the bank, you know? Yeah, but I would like, like, arg, I'm a pirate and I want to send a message in the old timey ocean part there. And okay, so fair I'm, enough. You know, she just kind of threw it away. She wasn't like, here, sucky tube, get it. She's just like, go ocean, do do my bidding. Well, I think she got it ready and realized there was no tube. So just, just tossed it into the <laughs> Well, air. this is no damn good. Yeah, that's, that, right. that's possible. Yeah. And then the one that I really wish made it that I actually thought was funnier than what actually made it into the canon episode. We see uh, Tom, you know, kind of coming in late, joining the Spawnee guys. Oh, yeah. The, the, the chamber members there. And uh, it's clear that they're not funny without Tom. But when he gets there, he's just like a laugh riot. And you can see why they invite him to stuff. It's, you know what? You're right. That's a really interesting night and day comparison because – one of the old white dudes that were all interchangeable. Yes. Let's call him Mo. Mo. And then, you know, he says to Larry and Curly, well, do you want a turkey sandwich or a ham sandwich? And the other one's like, yeah, ham sandwich or no turkey sandwich. And like, okay, but what if I says uh, that I tell you that the ham sandwich has tomato? I'm no good at this. Yeah. <laughs> and they just all like, are you telling me you suck? And then Tom shows up and it's just like their faces light up. It's oh, like yeah. night and day. They're so glad to see him. Yep. Yep. Well, Mark, on the tropes first and fun facts, did uh, I, I had a couple this week, um, not as many as some weeks. Well, you know, Alan, I actually wanted to start out by making a correction for oh. last week. Okay. I, I think this for is For those true. keeping score at home. For those you keep score. Uh, and, and keep me honest on this. But I think last week when when Ben and Leslie were at the Bulge, and they're they're sitting at the bar together, and okay. Ben is giving her a little bit more ex, uh, exposition about what happened when he was a mayor. I yes. want to say that's the first time that the title Ice Town was mentioned. Nope. You sure? Do you remember the episode where Ben finally says to Leslie because she's just so angry at him and he can't get her past it? He's like, "Look, let's just go out and have a drink." It's like ten thirty in the morning. They go to the bar. He introduces the Ice Town concept there, but it's the end of season two. So I think they repeated it here at the beginning of season three in case we didn't remember that about him. But I think it's the second time. I, you might be right. I, I thought that he didn't mention the title. Well, you know what? You could be absolutely right. It um, might be the first time we ever heard the phrase Ice Town. Because it seemed like he hit it pretty hard, like Ice Town, Clown Town, yeah. Loses Crown. And then it, it got <laughs> to be a big thing. Uh, so anyway, I, I just thought that, that was interesting. It's definitely the most they went into it. Oh, though, yeah, at that no point. doubt. So that was my so-called correction. And it, it may not be a correction. So I'm sorry if you have to correct me on that. Um, the other first that I saw from this episode, I had a couple. One is these are both lame. 
<laughs> one is I had it's the first time that we've had a spoken part, I think, from JJ, the owner. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I think we've seen him before, yeah. but I don't know that he's actually like interacted. He might have said hi or something, but it was, there was no dialogue. Yeah. Good call. Um, and the other is, I think, honestly, this is the first time where Ron and Andy hung out. Like they've been together as a pair, so to speak, maybe while Andy was shining his shoes, but that's about it. Mm, good call. What'd you have? I, I had that one as well. I said it's uh, the big Ron and Andy bonding moment. Mm -hmm. I said it's kind of the beginning of a mentorship that I think we're going to see come back. Yeah. yeah. And I said it was the first time that we ever saw Chris Traeger less than 100% in any way at all. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so, very much a first. I've, I mean, even Ian was worried he was a robot up until this episode. Yep. Yeah. Not anymore. That's right. <laughs> you know, on the trope side, Mark, I only had two. I had, you know, we kind of got. Um, actually, I, I, that's not right. Um, how about tropes, Mark? Um <laughs> Let me How about again. those tropes? Yeah, go ahead. Keep me up. All right, Mark, on the trope front, um, I, I really think I only had one official one. How about you? So I was pretty proud because I came up with actually with four. Oh, very nice. Including one that I had never thought to mention. But after this episode, I think maybe we could lobby for this to be a trope. All right. What you got? So the new one yeah, I like is that. I called it BMC, Ben Mugging to the Camera. Because I kind of feel like he definitely did a lot in this episode, but I feel like as the straight, straightish man yeah. of the ep of the series, he kind of does that a lot. Where he'll yeah. just look at the camera, like I think more than the rest of the characters tend to. He halberds the camera, as we like to say. He does. That's yes. a great description. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Second is uh, the the very obvious but always lovable uh, punching bag Jerry PBJ. Yep, that's uh, the one I had. You're so, sweaty all the yeah. time, tired all the time, Jerry. You want to go into this? No. My God. Then wipe spit on his monitor. That's great. So um, I had LLW. Leslie loves waffles. She does love waffles. And then I had FDR. Food driven Ron. Because how much freaking meat can you eat in one afternoon? Clearly a lot. A lot. So what is it? Did I miss any? No, no. You you got the one and only I had, which is Punching Bag Jerry and three other excellent ones. So nice job. Excellent. Mark, I mentioned earlier that I did spot a goof and it's related to JJ's. And I'd never seen this before, but I remembered, you know, when we were uh, a recent episode, we covered uh, one of the commentaries mentioned, Mike Schur mentioned that, you know, they've used this exterior for JJ's many times. The interior has been at least three different places. Mm. And um, I'm actually have been able to start to kind of identify the distinctions between them. But I noticed in the exterior shot, and if it's true, they've reused this. There's several mistakes in the shot. Really? Like what? Yeah. I got out my Photoshop pixelizer. No, I actually <laughs> just looked at it with my eyeballs a little closer than I ever have. And you can see that they have certainly Photoshopped out any signage. You don't know what real building it is. I'm sure somewhere in California, mm -hmm. but it says in neon lettering that they did not hide Greek gyros and spaghetti 24 hours. So clearly it's some sort of Greek restaurant and wow. uh, not, you know, necessarily a waffle shop. Huh? I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I guess there's not a law that says you can't have like a Waffle House that serves gyros. 
Yeah, and Greek food and spaghetti 24 hours. Yeah, that's just getting greedy. That didn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found one goof, and I by find, I mean that I saw it on the internet. And yeah, that's how I own. usually find goofs. I'm um, actually pretty proud I found this one myself. Apparently, in the scene at the very beginning of the episode when Ron is visiting April in at Ann Perkins Hospital, and you know how Ann tells him, please don't tell Andy that I'm here in, in Ann Perkins Hospital. When she's asking him that, you can see just a little smidgen at the upper right corner of a boom mic. Oh. Just like a little bit. Not a big deal, but just kind of interesting. But, you know, you get to think about it this way. And I know that happened in the office a couple of times, too. At the end of the day, it's a mockumentary. So we know that there is a crew. You know what? Actually, so you know what? I retract that. That's a really good point. But the way we normally see the episode shot, I would still call it a goof. I think it's fair to say they, they try to cut those out. Like to call on a correction on the last goof. <laughs> Aisle four, clean up on Raymond. Okay. Uh, thank you, Herb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any fun facts? Um, really, you know, I, I think we already mentioned network connectivity. That improv was a result of one of their fun runs. We had talked about that in one of the commentaries or maybe a Paley Fest uh, quote from Mike Schur in the past. Um, so that's interesting to know. And that's that's the thing they do when they kind of get the script down. And actually, Norm talked about this a little bit, not this specific incident. Oh, yeah. The fact that they're, they, they get the script shot and then they kind of go into this period where they then allow some improvisation on top of it to see if they can make it even better than what was on the written page. I think this is a good example of that. And then, you know, just that this was considered to be at least a top 10 episode by many, many lists, mm-hmm. um, including, I think, Miss Mojo, which is like one of the big YouTube channels, um, had it at number two. So interesting as we head into scoring here that uh, many others believe that this is a pretty good episode. Well, you know, Alan, I, I, I never bowed, uh, you know, peer pressure there. So, you know, don't don't if you keep going like this, I might be tempted just to give it a three just to kind of thumb my nose up. No, I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Um I did want to make a couple of comments though. So yeah, the, 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 you could have network connectivity, brilliant improv by, by uh, Chris Pratt. Um, I would say the two most meme worthy uh, scenes arguably, and maybe two of the funnier or funniest moments were that and stop pooping, yeah. which was also improv. Yep. Also so improv writers, I understand why you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that's good stuff. Um, and the only other thing, and we may have talked about this, and I think we definitely talked about this when we were talking with, uh, with uh, Norm Hiscock, that a lot of the angles and camera work, or maybe this was the commentary, a lot of the angles and camera work during this episode were to hide Amy Poehler's baby bump. Oh, you know, right. I forgot this. This episode did have commentary. That's a good point. We didn't talk about that much. And I usually do that around deleted scenes. You know, you're exactly right. That was mentioned here. So that's good call out. I would say the other thing in the commentary, or at least I would say about the commentary was that while it starts off where I think it's going to be better because it's a much more close knit group of people. Yeah. More than half of it is just Amy and, um, you know, Adam Scott just, you know making stuff up oh yeah so yeah. which was delightful it was but not super enriching with information <laughs> so that's okay agreed enjoyable not very informative yeah and that's fine but you're right amy was pretty pregnant here and there's a lot of work to hide it yup yeah all right mark speaking of scoring should we move into that let's let's do it man 
Now, you know, last week, Alan, I had mentioned that I kind of wanted to start this new thing because I think I'm smart yeah. that I'm going to do the episode MVP and just kind of give a shout out to the to yeah. the person or the actor. Who you actually started this. I, I haven't defined where I've asked Constantine to look it up. I know it's in the latter half of season two. Uh, and I remember just liking it and thinking, hey, that's a great idea. Um but yeah, what do you got this week? I agree with you. It's a brilliant, brilliant idea. <laughs> and I, I, on account of it, it's just a brilliant idea. And I want to keep doing it. And then you know what? So this episode comes along mm. and it just screws everything all, all up on account of, you know why? Yeah, like this, a nine-way MVP. This, this week's MVP I had as a four-way tie between Ron and Andy and Ben and Leslie. And actually maybe Chris... There, okay, there's a five-way tie this week. It, this is really hard. This was such a such a strong episode. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to guess that that's gonna show up in your scoring. I'm gonna guess. I haven't looked yet, but I'm gonna guess you're right too. Um, I, I think there were so many good relationship moments. I think for me, two the the two strongest or the two that spoke to me the most, if you will, is the. Uh, Ron and Andy bonding, like you said, yeah. Alan, this is kind of the beginning of that mentorship. Yeah, and I absolutely. think it's where everything else kind of uh, springboards from for them. You can trace back to this episode. Yep. And I think also the way that Ben sees Leslie, I, mm. I, I don't know if it's, as Andy would say, a romantical thing yet, yet. but if not that, I think that he likes her and admires the hell out of her. Yeah. So I think this is like this. It's this, some form of caring for sure. Yeah. That yeah. the, the, the chemistry between them is is vastly changed in this Yeah, this adversarial this relationship is, seems to be in the past now. And so I, I think so. Yeah, I would agree. And so that's why I kind of think of those four as the MVPs because I thought they all four just really, really stood out. Uh, but but so many good people. Anyway, um, we talked about the meme-worthy moments. I'm not going to go over that again. Um so this is just this is just a damn near perfect episode. It, it really was. It's a great storyline. It's got the meme worthy funny moments. It's got the relationship moments that are traced back to this episode. Um, in my opinion, Tom and Anne, who can be kind of background players, raised the bar and showed off their stuff. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of Chris being more appealing to Anne because we clearly see he's not superhuman. I like the parallel of Leslie to us, the viewers, and we, we actually are viewers here, um, showing that she's not superhuman. And yet she cemented herself in Ben's mind, I think, as damn near superhuman, that she could do this while still having. So I like that parallel there. Yeah. Um, you know how in the last episode I had mentioned that Chris had said, and Perkins, like like three, three or four, four different, different ways yeah. and, and different inflections. And yeah. he means something different. Yeah. I felt like Ben did that with his mugs to the camera. No. So I nice job, Adam Scott. I thought you really shined there. Um, I also thought I just have to say this real quick. I think what they've done here with the Harvest Festival, which they actually started last episode, is genius. And what I mean is for newbies to the series, it represents, you know, an important goal that they're trying to achieve. And that's all fine and good for fans of the series, though. It represents something way, way more serious because we know that the, the the future, the existence, if you will, of the Parks Department is tied to this. So it's it's kind of takes an air of seriousness. I mean, it's a sitcom. The stakes have risen. Yes, the stakes have risen. That's a great way to put it. I mean, not grilled, maybe grilled too, but at least risen. There were stakes in this episode, but I'm talking about different ones. All right. So here we go. Here comes Mark's score, baby. Okay, let me get out my calculator. <laughs> You're going to need at least two abacuses for this. Um, all right. 
I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this a five base score. I think I've that's your highest base score. I've, ever. I've only ever given one other episode of five base score ever. And this is partially because of two legendary meme worthy moments. I mean, others too, but two really, really strong ones that we already covered and masterful writing that I felt effortlessly interweaved, interwoved, interwoven, uh, that they, they can weave it. They, they, they weave it, uh, three separate stories just in and out and in and out of each other. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I yeah. like when they can do that. Um, it can do it poorly at times. Yes. This time is not poorly. I completely agree. Yes. So, so we're starting at a five already. Okay. I'm going to give half a point each to Ron and Andy for the scenes where they visited April in the hospital. Were April's parents there? Nope. Was Eduardo there? Nope. Were Ron and Andy there? Yes. Um, I love Ron visiting her. It's awkward. We get it. But he didn't have to do that at all. And it's a nice confirmation of how much he actually cares for April, despite how much he's going to protest otherwise. And Andy's scene was just really, really sweet. And I think it was an important step towards April in my opinion, no longer being mad at him. And he only waited as long as he did because he didn't know where she was. That's right. That's right. So just really, really great job there. Good relationship moments. I'm going to give half a point to Tom's clear demonstration. Once again, that he's not just a lazy, apathetic corn dog. We talked about this a little bit earlier. He does have talent. Yep. And it's good to see scenes where he can show it off. And it sometimes it shows him doing things that no one else can do. Like this is he's on the X-Men, Alan, and this is his power. Like, that's why he's here. Because um, I don't know that anybody else could have schmoozed those guys like he did. No. You know what I mean? I agree. I'm going to give a whole point to the whole Ron bonding with Andy stuff. Very well done and very, very important. They're going to build on this. I already talked about that. I'm going to give another whole point to something else I already talked about. Ben's interaction with Leslie. He, you know, he ran the gamut. He wants to back her up and help her. He's amazed by her. He's concerned for her. Very, very sweet. Um, I, I think he just admires the hell out of her. It may be a little hint of romance, but yeah, even if not, I think he just really admires her. Yep. Um, and I'm going to do something I haven't done before, and I'm mm-hmm. going to give a whole point to Ann Perkins. You know why? Because. I felt like for the whole hospital stuff, she was the glue that held everything else together. Now, that's a great call. I, I like it when she can take a less passive role in things. The, the hospital is her stomping grounds, damn it. And she had to take charge attitude as well. She should. And she had great interactions with Chris and Leslie and especially April when she loses her cool. So just good, good stuff. Maybe some of the others deserved a little bit of that point, but I'm going to say it's an Ann Perkins point. She gets it. So if you get out your abacuses. Thank you. Um, We come up with, I'm going to say my high score for a non-producer's cut for a regular episode. Mm. I'm at 9.5. And to be clear, that's the second time you've given a 9.5, but the other one was a producer's cut version of a standard episode. That's right. That's right. This is, if if I could recommend. This is the canon episode, 21 minutes and 20 something seconds. This, if I could, yes, that's a, that's a great way to put it. If I could recommend one episode to introduce newbies to the series, this one might be it. Um, Mm. The only thing that maybe kept it from being a 10 is, I don't know, maybe somewhat limited use of Donna and Jerry. I mean, if I had to pick something, but even there, they weren't bad. They just, meh. So just such a freaking strong episode. All right. Now go ahead and give it a three. Go. (laughs) Well, I I would say I'll start with uh, why it isn't a perfect episode. 
Don and Jerry. I was that was my exact thought. I mean, quite honestly, I like it better when you say it. Well, I, I think honestly, I was trying to think through this. If they could have found a way, and you're right. I mean, that was a very funny scene. You know, it was a great punching back Jerry moment. Uh, you know, with Leslie licking all of his stuff, and of course, she chose Jerry's stuff. Of course, but his interaction with her was a couple lines, and Donna, you know, barring the door, and you know, she just didn't have a lot of dialogue. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't here. If I'd gotten just a little, little more of that in a different way or a different scene, or they had a little maybe mini, mini storyline themselves, mm-hmm. this could have been a 10. I mean, I think because we've been saying this, we've been saying this now as these scores have been creeping up. What is it going to take for them to drop the perfect episode? Yeah, uh, I think it's going to take that full cast, full delivery. And you again, 21 minutes, folks. I mean, it's how do you do that? So tip of the hat to the writers. Um I also gave this a 9.5 mark. Wow. Okay. Which is the only 9.5 I've given. And uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say, I don't know what my other scores are going to be, but I can tell you it's going to be hard pressed to tie or beat this score for me. Yeah, we, you know, Alan, we should reiterate to those that, uh, you know, our viewers at home, um, we don't share our scores. No. So every time, uh, you know, one of us gives a score, we're like, OK, is this going to be is it going to be World War Three? So, yeah, I, but you know what? It doesn't surprise me. We we agreed on this. Mark, I'm going to tell you what my top 10 moments from this episode were. And kind of like your MVPs. Yeah. I started this here somewhat recently. Please. We didn't do this in the last episode because I, I was unprepared. Um, <laughs> You know, Actually, I, I had a better I, excuse at one point. Yeah, I'm just going to say I was unprepared. You blame Constantine. That's what we typically do. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Uh, well, I had it, Mark, and Constantine ate my homework. No. That's brilliant. No. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he didn't put down all the onions he usually does. That, there you go. Too much fiber. He was a little mad, so... <laughs> Well, Mark, so not necessarily. I think these may actually be in chronological order. So, um, number one, April's blankets are somehow on the floor, and <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, JJ says to Leslie, you're my favorite customer. You spent over $1,000 $1, last year on waffles alone. <laughs> <laughs> to which Leslie then looks at the camera and shakes her head no. But we know, yeah, it's, we true. know it's true. We yeah. know it's true. Uh, number three, um, I think maybe my allergies are acting up. I've already vomited five times today. <laughs> Boy, stay positive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, then we got a double uh, twofer here from Ron where, you know, uh, he didn't know what to bring April. So, you know, he got the magazines and lipstick, you know, the woman's stuff. The woman's stuff. So, I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> Ron once worked with a guy for three years. He never learned his name. It's the best friend he ever had. You know, <laughs> they still never talk sometimes. I, it's so good. <laughs> Um, number six is uh, Tom's Daft Punk antiviral sanitizing mister. Um, oh, yeah. So good. Uh, it's, it's all visual, yeah. right? There's yeah. barely anything written there. Uh, the meat tornado. I mean, and I'm mostly vegetarian, right? But even you appreciate that. I can appreciate it. I yeah. won't eat it, but I can appreciate it. Yep. Um, Leslie's pants scarf, you know, <laughs> and stealing <laughs> flu meds. And the fact that she can disappear through magic portals in the Walmart. That, I mean... I'm kind of cheating here by combining some stuff together, you know, but well, I was making fun of you for, you know, mentioning Chamber of Secrets. That's a little Harry Potter-ish. It's a, actually I was going to go a little Lord of the Rings-ish. Oh, man, that's even better. Yeah. All right, nerd. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I mean, a guy told me about that show. I got to check it out. <laughs> nice save. Uh, you know, Chris's microchip compromise. I love The fact it. that he has two and a half percent body fat. Um, good for him. Yeah. That and the hidden vomit in the side table. <laughs> <laughs> worst hide and seek game ever uh, 
Leslie's flu med fueled speech to the Chamber of Commerce, I mean, in kind of a serious moment here, just it, it, it's not it's short that snippet, but you're really clear that she's able to turn on this switch, get her job done despite how she feels, uh-huh. make these really salient points, impress these people in the audience, why she and her team, you know, care about this, uh, this Harvest Fest and what it's going to do for Greater Pawnee. Um, just stellar writing, just stellar. And then last, uh, you know, I love that Chris and Ben are going to ask for the extension. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just a really, really nice way to, to end the episode there in the kicker. And uh, a lot of kickers are, are not plot relevant or they don't add a lot to it. They're just for the funny. And here we also had a, a cold open that was also plot relevant and kind of set up the whole string of flu symptoms that was going to happen. So I don't know how you craft an episode better than this one with all the things we both just said. It's 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 going to be tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely without a shadow. But as a matter of fact, I think when we were talking to Norm, yeah, if I remember right, Alan, didn't he put us on the spot a little bit and say, like, but what do you think of flu season? And, and you like the fanboy you are you just immediately said, <laughs> yeah, you're like, Norm, it's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I did. And, you know, I would have liked to call you a kiss ass, but I said, me too, Norm. Because, <laughs> I mean, it is. It's just that Well, and he good. said it was one of his. I mean, he said he didn't really have a lot of favorites. And you'll hear that in a few minutes here when we play our, our part of our interview with him. But, you know, he said it, it was one of them for sure. It's a standout for him. And, you know, for a guy who was involved ultimately as a producer in 90-something episodes, and <laughs> he wrote 10 of them. Uh, he wrote Rock Show at the end of season one, great which one. was a stellar episode. Yep. Um, and he's got a couple other really big ones coming up here and after this one. So, um, you know, we all enjoyed his, his, his episode. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. Well, Mark, you know, should we do that? Should we play this clip from Norm now? And then, um, when we come back, we'll say goodbye. Let's do it. I like that. All right. We'll be right back. Everyone enjoy. You know, on Parks, which obviously is our show, we've been doing this podcast. We just started season three. Uh, our episode this week is flu season, which you wrote. But you were right. you were a consulting producer from the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from season one. I, I Just because I was living in Canada and the family, we weren't sure if the family was going to move back to L.A. So uh, I, I was flying back and forth. So I, I did a com- consulting producer. So I was working four days a week, essentially, but. Um, and there was only six of us in the beginning, six writers. Wow. Um, and so we got one episode each. I got rock show at the end of the first season. And then, um, I, I think there was one, uh, women of the year. I can't remember the other one I wrote in the second and then, um, yeah. And then flu season. Yeah. Yeah. This is your fourth episode that we've covered. And you wrote Pawnee zoo, by the way, in season two. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but flu season was part of um, the second season where Amy got pregnant. So we, we, we had to do 24 episodes. And so we had to do six more extra episodes at the end of the season. So essentially we were writing 30 episodes for the wow. second season. Man. But they only aired flu season in uh, season three, right? Right. Yeah. It's season three, episode two, and it's it's eight months, basically. Well, I think episode one's eight months to the day after the very last episode of season two. Yeah. So it was a weird season where we were all kind of burnt. We did 24 episodes and then uh, 
we said, okay, we have to do six more. And we went, all right. But I, <laughs> those first six were really quite good. And I really uh, like, for some reason, we, uh, it, we were tired at first, but then uh, had a weird energy, I think. That was the Harvest Festival, right? The beginning of the Harvest Fest, was that? Yeah, yeah it's yes. that arc, yeah. Right. So that, that, coming up with that helped us a lot, I think. And then uh, um, I really like season three, actually. Uh, season three is one of my favorite seasons. But I think it's one of ours as well. And it's 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 ironic that it is a it is a shorter season. There's 16 yeah. episodes instead of the full boat. So yeah. um, you had a little less runway to do stuff, but the shows are just top notch. And I mean, everyone, oh, we sure. went out strong with season two. Um, yeah. Just, you know, and yeah, I really like season two, too. But I remember yeah. um, uh, for some reason, really loving season three. I just remember that it being season four is really good, too. <laughs> but um yeah, season three being one of my favorites has some of my favorite episodes in that season. Well, how can you not like Rob Lowe and Adam Scott? Oh well, gosh. they were great. That I think that was part of the thing. They brought a cool energy to the show, you know, and um, and then that revitalized us in, in the writing those six. Adam Scott's so great, and so is Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah, we were we loved that we covered in the. Um, the second to last episode of season two, when those guys were introduced, they did the introducing Rob Lowe in the credits, which just <laughs> yeah. made us laugh out loud. I mean, yeah, well he's been in the business 48 years at that point. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, That's funny. Well, how, how did you actually come to Parks? I guess that's the connection. Uh, through Greg Daniels, I think, because uh, I didn't know Mike Shore, and then Greg was writing and creating the show with Mike. And did you guys meet I, on Saturday Night Live or where'd you guys meet? No, uh, I met on King of the Hill with, um, uh, so he, uh, he heard about me when I was at SNL and he heard, he heard about me and um, asked me if I wanted to write on King of the Hill. Wow. I couldn't be, go there to the first season because I just, I'd only been on, I think, SNL for one season or two seasons, so I couldn't leave. And I said, well, if you're still interested, call me again. And he called the next year. And so I was on the second season of King of the Hill. And so that's where I met Greg. And then when Greg was staffing the show, he said, oh, I, I think I want to bring Norm on. And I went down to meet Mike Shore. And then uh, we got along <laughs> great. And so I was brought on. And Mike Shore had friends uh, like um, Alan Yang that he knew and Dan Gore that he knew. So he was bringing those people on. So the, 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 those were the first part of the first six people that were on the first season. Wow. That's great. Well, I know this week uh, we were rewatching flu season to be able to do our, our po upcoming podcast. And it was struck me how interesting it was to watch this post pandemic, uh, you know, Chris wearing <laughs> the mask and all the sanitizer. And, you know, yeah. it was just a, it was kind of a life imitates art moment for us. Yeah. Uh, like I think probably it must be hard for people to watch it now, but I mean, um, back then it was just, um, I don't know. I, you know, people had the flu and then people would refuse even then to get flu shots because they, you know, there would be vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. And I always just believed in the flu shot. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we just did it because it seemed like a good area to touch all the characters, you know, um, for, especially for Rob Lowe's character or <clears throat> Amy, you know, feeling like she wasn't, or Leslie's character for, you know, she wasn't um, feeling like she was doing enough. And then she was letting down the team by getting sick, you know, and um, 
and then uh, other people just being, you know, it just seemed like a good area for all the characters, you know? Um, Absolutely. I think we always saw it for comedy too. And like now you can look back and go, Oh yeah, COVID. But now, but I think, I don't think we would have, if, if, if it came up and COVID was happening, I don't think we would have done it, you know? Mm, a little too on the nose. I think it's too on the nose. And I think people now, are, I think when you watch it, um, when I, when I watch TV now, I go and I see people walking around, they're not wearing masks. I go, what world is that in? Because now we're just in a pandemic world, right? Where uh, people are either choosing not to wear a mask or wearing masks, but we're in a pandemic, right? So it's it seems weird to me, like it, it's not being reflected and no one wants to see it on TV, but really that's what we're going through, right? It's a Really tricky period for comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Norm, if I have my IMDb facts correct, I, I it looks like you wrote a total of 10 episodes for Parks and Rec and you, you produced 90 of them. Uh, so I, I'm just so curious. Is there is there one that really stands out to you or do you do you have a favorite? Uh, I don't have favorites. There's ones that I sort of write where I go well, I, that I kind of like, you know, like flu season. I like I because it was a, um, I thought we did a really good job of including all the characters. I thought I did a good job doing um, a first draft of it. It was a very good rewrite. If you look at the show, um, there's lots of like tons of uh, jokes that I wouldn't have come up with that the room came up with. Uh, like, like you could see a Mike Shore joke in there and a Katie yeah. Dipple joke and a Harris joke. And so like uh, um, that's when I think the the writing room is really, was so great. It's like, uh, in the rewrite, um, the, the, the jokes, it just always elevated and became very good. And then when you went down to the set, there was improvising, right? And so you would cover your own episode. And um, everyone talks about the scene where Pratt is on the computer and he says, you have connectivity problems. That was an improvised line. I remember Amy in that moment said, oh, this line that we have in the script is just okay. And this is after, you know, having a read through and then rewriting it and then going down to set. So it's not as if we went down unprepared, you know? And so, uh, but she was right. It wasn't the strongest line. And um, so, and he was sitting in the scene and was part of it. And I thought, well, let's Mike, he wasn't mic'd cause he didn't have a line in the scene. Mm. So I said, well, let's stop it. Let's mic him. And let's uh, think of a line for Chris to say, um, and then I wrote up a couple and he said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll uh, think of something. I said, oh, great. <laughs> and then so he came, he improvised like three lines and that was the one we chose. All of them great, made the crew laugh. So it was Amy that, you know, sort of pointed out, oh, we need a joke here. And then it was, you know, I thought, okay, well, let's give it to Chris because he's just sitting there, not doing anything, be good to include him. And he was, he was in between two um, sort of story points, right? He was sitting in the middle being a secretary, right? Yeah. Um, and then Chris, you know, said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll come up with something. So that's just the show, you know, it's like it was all sort of effortless on some level and organic, you know? That's great. And, and I think this is the Rob Lowe uh, stop pooping improv as well, right? Yeah, we, that we, we, um, we came up with stuff for him to improv. And I think that was one of the lines we came up with for him. Uh, I think he had pitched a similar or close to similar line anyway. So that's great. We were all on the same wavelength. So we was like, yeah, yeah. try several. I think we tried two or three different 
things like pooping or stuff, you know. Well, that there's that. That's a portion of our interview with Norm Hiscock. Um, again, we are so appreciative of him taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we're going to do a little bit like we did with Christopher Murray, and I think we're going to just carve out a whole episode, play that whole interview for yeah. you so you can hear the whole thing. Because like I said at the top of the show, not only did we talk Parks and Rec, but we talked a lot of other, uh, you know, I guess we'll call them related shows in the sense that they're in some way part of the Mike Schur or Greg Daniels universe. And, uh, you know, Norm had a a hand in quite a few of them. So it's a really fun conversation we had with them. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Thanks goes out to Norm Hiscock. He, he's such a, a, a kind, gracious, uh, you know, a guest and, and he very, very interesting. He He's done so many shows that I just absolutely adore and love. Yeah. It's, it's almost embarrassing because I just want to fanboy all over it. But yeah, yeah. what what a nice guy. Well, then when we got done with our, we had 180 questions for him. And then when we got done, he started asking us questions. I know. It was terrific. I so know. We couldn't have asked for better. So <laughs> thanks, Norm. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, we'll be back next week with season three, episode three, Time Capsule. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yep. Me too. I can't wait. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Music